Chronicle Towers, shall we say, the Chronicle Studio here. I'm with Fergal Lynch and we're, we're about to launch another edition of uh, Talk A Good Game. Hope you all had a good week out there, Sporting Week. Uh, we had a, we had a, an eventful Sporting Week here, didn't we Fergal? Yeah, it was a disappointing Sporting Week, Jimmy. Our three teams all fell, fell on their swords, I suppose, or fell on their shields and... Uh, just a t- disappointing weekend from a, a Royal County GA perspective, I suppose, with uh, with the Mead footballers ultimately losing to Loud, in, and basically that's the end of any promotion hope. And the Mead ladies going down to Kerry, surrendering their ladies National League Division One title, and uh, the Camogie team giving up uh, after a bright start last week with victory over Leash, losing to Kerry. So. Busy weekend, but a disappointing one. Busy weekend, yes. And uh, I think I was talking to a Mead supporter after the game, and he's 77 now, but he's been sporting After which Mead, game? After the, the loud match. All oh, right, yeah. We were walking down from uh, Bruce Hill. He's 77 now, but he's been sporting Mead since he was six, just, he he's said. Went, he's went to school together. <laughs> uh, no, we'll we, 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 we wipe, wipe away that. Uh, <laughs> once again, Fergal, you've got your figures all mixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, this guy, this man now, he was he was w- concerned that we'd end up in the, the Talton Cup, and it's it's a real possibility, isn't it? Yeah, but I actually heard a debate. It was it on the Sunday game last week, where um, or on off the ball, or some of them, where they were they were debating. You know, the GA have tried to promote this the Talton Cup as being um, a competition for teams at that level and which gives them a realistic opportunity of building a bit of momentum and winning silverware so last year the Tolchin Cup actually proved to be a huge success and I'd say Westmead wouldn't swap it uh, for all the the glory they've had in the last 20 or 30 or 40 years Uh, they wouldn't swap the success that they had then for the Tolchin Cup the one last year and gives them a great boost Um, but yet for all the promotion of it and all the uh, the positives that the Tolchin Cup could possibly bring, it's the competition nobody wants to be playing in, and uh, it's viewed as being maybe a, a sign of failure if you end up, especially if you're a Division One or Division, sorry, not Division One team, but especially if you're in Division Two and you end up in the Tolchin Cup, it's going to be viewed as as a kind of a failure. But it would, uh, yeah, but sorry. you know your position in in the Tolchin Cup, or your. So, Sorry, your position, finishing position in the league doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to end up in the Tolgen Cup. So if me do end up outside of that top five position, which is what we were kind of saying earlier on when we were discussing it, um, it looks like you'll have to finish in the top five and at least in Division 2 to be guaranteed Sam Maguire football uh, in the summer. But there is another route into it, and that's getting to a Leinster final and meet her in a, on a favourable side of the draw in the Leinster Championship to avoid getting pulled into that Tolchin Cup situation. But um, they really need to improve. And uh, it, it was disappointing on Sunday, very disappointing on Sunday to lose to Loud. I think the fact that it's losing to Loud makes it all the more bitter. Well, yes, uh, I suppose so. Um, it is it was very disappointing. This the supporter I mentioned earlier on. He was concerned about the kickouts uh, and the fact that uh, they weren't really gaining enough possession from that. Now, um, my concern, and I shared it with him as well. We we spoke about it. Was the fact that uh, um, Mead are scoring a series of flurry of points and then not 
getting uh, you you spoke to, to Colin O'Rourke about this I believe yeah. Fergal yeah, well, and, and they're not and getting a point for maybe a score for 15-20 minutes yeah and you'll, you'll hear that interview which which we all did with Colin um, it's kind of a local media all in together with Colm so you'll hear that interview now in a few minutes but yeah when you, when you talk about the kickouts and I felt sorry for Harry Hogan looking down at him um, from the stand on Sunday and <clears throat> he got pulled up at one stage by the referee for delay a kick out now it was through no fault of his own he was waving his hands you know move 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 give us give me a bit of movement give me something to aim at but loud had pushed their, their goalkeeper James Calaf comes right up for the mead kickouts and he'd push right up into the mead half of the field to fill the space um, that mead had tried to create on their left hand side and uh, he, he filled that space so Harry Hogan's options were limited and then the kickouts ended up being you know when you rushed to get them off and you end up kicking them long straight down the middle but you know Jack Flynn played well I thought Ronan Jones played well I thought Jack Flynn coming back from injury was was one of the few bright points from Mead's performance on Sunday um, and he fielded a couple of great balls and kicked two great points from scores so it was good to see him back um, but yeah the kickouts and winning that primary possession is an obvious problem five points down as well at one stage yeah but, this but is- as you mentioned then just to go back to the other point you were mentioning about the scoring droughts and the barren spells mm. so yeah got off to a great start four points in the first nine minutes so we're sitting back going yep your bodies we're gonna <laughs> we'd walk this and we're still on track uh, outside hope of promotion and everything going well uh, then we let Loud get two soft points to go back into it then we kicked another point go 5-2 up and then we lost um, sorry after that after that initial four points in the first nine minutes we only scored one more point in the next 31 minutes uh, mm. one more point and that, and that is not going to be good enough to win games you need to be consistently keeping that scoreboard ticking over okay you see teams going 10-12 minutes maybe without a score but one point with the wind behind you in 31 minutes wasn't good. Now, there were mitigating circumstances in that Harry O'Higgins got a, a very harsh-looking red card in the 24th minute, um, which left Mead numerically disadvantaged and kind of a little bit all over the place and that they were disorganised because, you know, after, at that stage of the game, they were flying, they looked comfortable, they were playing good football, and then all of a sudden you're a man down and uh, it, it kind of threw the team out discombobulated the team you like that word discombobulated where did, discombobulated you, where did the team. you come across that I don't know I must have read it in one of your articles well, I but it, 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 it just confused the team and put them off um, put them out of their stride and so from bit four points up Mead ended up being 6-5 down at half time and, and we thought God we're in trouble here one of the things that concerned me about the game was the fact that Loud could have scored another two or three goals I mean we had uh, earlier on I think it was Sam Mulroy had a chance earlier on yeah and two uh, great blocks I yeah, think yeah, Michael and Flood and, and Keenan Sullivan Conor uh, Rhymes as well had a couple of uh, uh, the, you know players like that so defensively as well and they were very badly caught out for uh, Craig uh, Craig Lennon's goal as well yeah well that, they were exposed uh, yeah. I know they had to push forward at that stage but they weren't they weren't, well, they they weren't behind at that stage no they didn't really have to push forward because we started the second half really really well so after going as we said 31 minutes without a score we get a point to level it up within 20 seconds of the restart uh, and then me just hit that purple patch and a brilliant goal a well worked goal where uh, this 
quick release of the ball, quick foot pass into the forward line was really evident. A brilliant ball in, uh, well won by Jordan Morris, laid it off to uh, Donald Kyogen and a lovely, neat kind of low finish into the net, uh, followed by a couple more points. And all of a sudden from being 6-5 down at half time, Mead find themselves 1-11 to nine points up and uh, at the three quarters mark and you think God we're we have an opportunity win the winning here we'd found a bit of shape got a bit of structure overcome the dismissal of Harry O'Higgins but the effort to go from that one point down to six or to five points up obviously took its toll and Mead ran out of legs and then had another one of those barren scoring spells where they concede or they managed just one point in the final quarter uh, and that was a free so didn't manage to score again after going 111 to didn't manage to score again from play after going 111 to 9 points up so yeah the goal then was a real killer blow the, the loud goal it was an attempt by Jack O'Connor over on the sta- over on the terrace side to try and change the points of attack and play the ball back into midfield so that Mead could move it over to under the stand side but the ball wasn't good enough Craig Lennon read it well came out and won it and raced through on but goals the, and the way the me defence was completely exposed though there was nobody back minding the house yeah and we were still so a point seems, up it's it a bit strange that we were pushing yeah, on so. why do we need to go that but maybe 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 we were pushing on because the foot was on the throat you know the foot was on the loud throat and we were trying to maybe finish them off now I know we had gone five up and they would got four in a row to peg us back to only one up but yeah it was a little bit it was a little bit lax, all right, to allow to leave nobody back. And in fairness, Adam O'Neill, who had a great game, by the way, uh, such a young player in, in an experienced in an in, in an inexperienced full back line. Adam O'Neill, Michael Flood, and Matt Costello made huge ground to catch Craig mm. Lennon. Uh, well, but, the, but Lennon showed good skill. There was talk of being a double hop maybe before the goal, but mm. I think the first hop was more a, a loss of possession and then he regathered it before he actually hopped it again. So we can't really have any complaints there. Uh, we were exposed, as you said, cruelly exposed defensively for that goal, probably probably a little bit naively that we shouldn't have uh, been pushing up while we had a lead. Yeah, Adam uh, O'Neill showed the, uh, the the pace of an Olympic sprinter to get back because yeah, he was yeah. a good bit behind yeah, Lennon at one fun. stage, but he caught up with him. A brilliant uh, recovery. Yeah, very, but, and they were very unlucky. Like Michael Flood <coughs> looked looked as if he was going to get the block, but Lennon sold the dummy very well. And ah, look, at it, it was it was heartbreaking. But you know, we faded, we faded for that thirty-one minutes in the first half, and then we faded. Um, in the final quarter and you can't afford those fade outs and now you're left with oh what is it Derry and, Derry and Dublin are top of the table with 8 points each uh, looks as if they're mm. nailed on certainly for promotion and then the other you've Meads and Cork and Loud now on 4 points it leaves next Sunday's game against Limerick as a must win simply a must well. win because if we lose that we have Dublin coming on St. Patrick's weekend. But then we have Kildare. And then our good. final game away to Kildare. And you, there's going to be a sting in Kildare because they were atrocious at the weekend. Absolutely atrocious. I know we, we didn't exactly cover ourselves in glory against Derry. But bad and all as we were, Kildare were worse. But uh, Colin O'Rourke, you know, he did say he's very happy with, with his, his troops and uh, they're, they're putting in a huge effort and so on. Now, you know, so we don't know about... Um, 
other players maybe uh, Conor McGill are gone out Brian, Brian Menton doesn't seem to be coming back either so you know we're not sure about no, those no at this uh, stage no well, we, we spoke about Conor McGill last week he uh, he was gone off the panel um, and Brian Menton had stepped away from the panel at the end of last year so yeah look at it's it's a new way forward as you said Colin O'Rourke and we'll listen to the interview we'll go to the interview now Colin O'Rourke is happy with the with the number of young players and how well they've done uh, but he does mention about the, the concern of the Baron spell so we'll just listen to uh, what Colin O'Rourke had to say when the media caught up with him after the game on Sunday manager Colin Moore. Colin uh, very very disappointing day at the office yes it was disappointing considering that we had made a, quite a bright start to the game and uh, with despite the fact of losing a man we ended up in a very strong position with 15 minutes to go the lads had really worked very hard to get back into it and I thought at that stage the game was under control we were five up and uh, it just slipped away I suppose the goal was a a huge blow at that stage of the game. A little bit of a slack bit of football giving away possession. Yeah, absolutely. It was just one of those balls that went astray and they capitalised on it. And uh, uh, that's the way we have to pick ourselves up. No point in crying over it now and uh, look forward to next week in Limerick. A great start for me. Played some great football in the early stages, building up that four-point lead. But at the end of the day, lucky to be going in only a point behind at half-time. Yes, and the momentum in the game had changed a good bit, I suppose, when Harry O'Higgins was sent off. But uh, after we got four points, I think we, we certainly missed quite a few decent chances at that stage, maybe to, 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 to push it out a bit more. But Loud had plenty of chances the first half as well, and they kicked a couple of bad wides, and we had a, a few close scrapes for goals. So... Uh, it wasn't as if we were dominating the game. They had come right back into it. And I suppose when the man was sent off, they, they dominated the last 10 minutes before halftime. And uh, probably the Mead were the better team in the first quarter and the third quarter, but Loud the better team in the second and fourth quarters. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, and, and we can have no complaints. Loud got a, a series of very good points from play uh, when they needed them most. Uh, I suppose that was the feature of the game when when they needed points uh, they were able to get them from long range in the second half despite the fact that it looked as if uh, you know Mead, Mead had largely the game very much under control like with 15 minutes to go we were in a very healthy position The general consensus is that the red card was very much on the harsh side yellow card maybe at most yeah, well, it, it, it seemed a, a surprise to everybody, to players on the field, to management and to supporters. It seemed to be uh, an unusually long decision-making process to start with. I didn't think that he was going to even show me yellow card after it. I thought it was a clumsy enough challenge, but uh, maybe he saw something that uh, we didn't see. But that's life. You must get on with it two away games to come out of the remaining three games column uh, rather than being chasing for promotion it now looks this this result as you're looking at the other bottom end of the table and trying to avoid that well there's still three games and three wins to be got so we're not giving up on anything at this stage but uh, you know we'll take it one game at a time time go to Limerick get well prepared for Limerick there was a lot of good things in the game today. A lot of lads played very well. There was a lot of positives from it, from our point of view. So uh, we'll take all the positives. We'll have a good look at where we can improve during the week. But 
uh, I think Mead people would be satisfied with the effort, but not the result. And uh, I think that there is potential. Uh, there's a lot of good young players. There was a lot of them played and played well today. So uh, I wouldn't give up on anything yet. The scores seem to be coming in clumps at the minute, Column. You're, you're scoring four or five points in a row and then maybe going off the boil for five or six minutes or, or ten minutes or more. Um, I suppose that's something that we've seen across the three games, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going long stretches without getting on the board. And uh, it's something that's obviously worrying. Uh, I thought we created a lot more scoring chances today than we did maybe even against Clare, even though we won the game. I thought... Uh, uh, our creation of chances was a lot better today, but uh, obviously, e- even if we, we need to get up to a much higher score, I think if we could get 115 or 116 in every game, we probably would win most of them, but <clears throat> we're just not getting enough at the moment. Jack Flynn was back today and he, he really bolstered that midfield along with the return of Matt Costello and Shane Walsh. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. They, they give a, a, a huge impetus to the team. And uh, I think the, the great thing about those lads is that our best days are yet to come. They are going to get better and better with play. And Adam O'Neill at the back too, I thought was exceptional. And uh, again, he's only after playing a few games. So these players will all get better. So if we could add in a lot more players playing at that level, we certainly would have the potential to go places. But they're working very hard and I'm very happy with them. It's important, I suppose, that the supporters stick with it because, you know, this isn't going to be an overnight thing or anything like that. And I suppose the last two weeks has probably been a little bit of a, a wake-up call or a reality check, maybe. Uh, it certainly is. Um, in the circumstances, the support has been brilliant. And I think, you know, they really give us a huge lift in the second half there. But like supporters respond to what's going on on the pitch and if the players aren't giving them anything to shout about the crowd will be quiet so uh, we need to give them more to shout about we did in two bursts today in the first quarter and third quarter but you know we're going too long in other quarters without doing much and scoring little and of course the crowd will go quiet at times like that What What is the, the reason for that column do you think is it a probably an inexperienced thing with so many newish players in that you know I think there's only one scoring the 31 minutes after the bright start so kind of drifting out of the game is it an inexperienced thing? I suppose it is we we do have a lot of young players we do have a lot of players who, who haven't played too much together and uh, uh, the way things are going you know you, going from game to game to game you don't actually get that much of a chance to do, to do much uh, good training and but it will come and we will get better. I have no doubt about that. I think that the fundamentals of the team are improving all the time. And I'd be very hopeful that in another couple of months that we will be significantly better. Playing with 14 for so long, column was ultimately what caught up with you in the end, was it? It was, yeah. Well, you know, the, the lads put a huge effort in the third quarter to, to rest back control of the game. Like we went from a point down to five up look to be playing comfortably but you could see at the end that the hard work that it took for everybody to to compensate for the extra man meant that a lot of our players were uh, beginning to get really uh, very very tired at the end and despite the fact that subs were going on there were a number of players who who had put in massive efforts and were really getting into the red zone at that stage. Jimmy 
you know, Colum has been very upbeat after all the games, even against after Derry. He said, "Oh, we put it right for for the next day against Loud." Now, unfortunately, he didn't put it right, but there were mitigating circumstances with the sending off. Um, yeah, he, but you know, he's he's positive about, and and you mentioned the Olympic sprinter speed of Adam O'Neill, and I think for a complete rookie full back line of Adam O'Neill, uh, Michael Flood, and Harry O'Higgins. I know Harry was gone after 24 minutes but they've done they've done well uh, Ronan Jones and Jack Flynn uh, you know that's our future midfield uh, going forward partnership and then up top I thought Shane Walsh uh, really brought, brought a spark to Mead I know he missed the last couple of games through injury he gives the Mead attack a real spark Jordan Morris was dangerous at times uh, Jason Scully uh, his pace can cause problems as can Jack O'Connor's coming from wing back as well so there's the basis as Colm said in that interview there's the basis there of a very bright future for Mead but they're going to have to dig deep next week I know Limerick aren't great and they took a hiding at the weekend from Cork conceding six goals but we have to get away and we can't be worrying about what Limerick did in the last couple of weeks we have to worry about getting the win next Sunday the sending off, I thought, was absolutely ridiculous. It certainly looked, it looked very, very harsh. It did. I, I thought maybe at the most, it maybe a yellow card. Well, initially, I think a lot of people were even confused as to why it was a foul because it looked as if Harry O'Higgins met him fair with a shoulder. Now, some people who said they've seen it on the video, the loud boys were videoing the game beside us in the press box, and some of them said they saw it on the video, and he kind of turned the shoulder into him, and in his momentum he caught him with his elbow slightly with his elbow I don't know how true that is I didn't see it but from in real time which I think referees decisions and when you slow down things and you look at things in slow motion or you know as we see in the English Premier League when when they make their decisions in VAR and everything is slowed down it looks worse in slow motion so mm. uh, the boys that looked at it on video and part touch and saw, were looking at it in slow motion but in real time it didn't look okay as you said yeah. the yellow card maybe Colin Rourke described it in the interview there as being a clumsy challenge yeah. um, well, now Joe McQuillan was at a different angle than us of course but he might have saw something and he was much closer so I'm not sure uh, he did see anything because he did not the see hand, the, yeah. he had the hand up to the ear and so he was communicating with linesmen or umpires or somebody and it took him a while and Colin referenced it in that interview um, that it was a long drawn out process before he decided Maybe he, to took, him a red he card. took him advice from a linesman or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he took advice from linesman, which, you know, I think if Joe saw saw the incident enough himself to award a free, which he did, he, he mm. saw the incident, he blew the whistle straight away, awarded a free, yeah. then surely he could see the severity of the incident uh, and didn't need the advice of uh, one of his officials to say, oh, I think you should send him off because... Yeah, but what does a referee do there? Because if if uh, he sees something and he thinks, well, that's it's not too bad, it's okay, it's a yellow card maybe, and then a linesman starts talking to him and say, well, look, uh, Joe or Jim, he's he's after sort of hitting, mm. uh, you know, with yeah, his, the yeah, player but, with his elbow. He he should get more than a yellow card. He yeah, but the referee card. should be able to turn around and say, well, I saw the incident, I'm giving a free, you know. So, like, who's the referee? Is it well, the, the linesman? Final decision comes down to is him, it the yeah. linesman? Is it the umpire? Or is it the actual man in the middle? Yeah. Who is the referee? So who makes the calls? And I, I'm not sure linesmen who uh, are umpires who aren't qualified referees, or not all of them, some of them are. I know there's a few qualified referees do umpires for some of the Meads uh, inter county refs. But 
you know they're making huge calls in games that can have massive impact like that sending off could have a massive impact down the road for where Mead are playing their football in the summer sure but uh, we're always saying that referees need more assistance and so on they need help from, uh, yeah, from, but that all, needs the, to be consistent. from all the officials from the umpires and, and linesmen and everybody but else that, that needs to be consistent down across the board well, so like you see like and Mead weren't, it, Mead weren't innocent of, of getting away with stuff either there was incident in the in the game on Sunday where uh, Roland Jones threw the ball and referee didn't give it now maybe if a linesman if if sideline officials are going to be used to help to referee games, maybe he could have seen a, a flag it's had to do in soccer to see a foul, flag it and say that's a foul. But Jesus Christ, we'd be stopping the game every well, 30 you, seconds. You've often seen umpires, uh, you know, drawing the attention to the referee because yeah. they've seen a thump off the ball or something like that. Yeah. So that's... That's, that's uh, a different thing, though. That's something that's, that a referee can't well, advise in the back of his head. That, uh, well, it is, because Joe McQuillan saw the foul. Mm. by Harry or his uh, what in what his opinion was a foul he saw it he saw the incident he saw the impact he saw what he believed was an, a sufficient infraction of the rules to give well, a free we're, against we're, him the point is that maybe he was influenced by the linesman in this yeah. you know but it, yeah, and that's, ultimately it was and his that's decision saying, but you know an umpire putting his hand out and saying uh, Jimmy Gagan was after boxing the head off for every inch there uh, while the play was down the other end of the field the referee can't advise in the back of his head and that's where he can use the advice of an umpire all right mm. but for an incident that he saw himself and deemed it nothing more than well we don't know what he deemed it but initially it looked like his reaction was nothing more than a free and he was going to talk to Harry O'Higgins because Harry O'Higgins ran back to get into position on the line and Joe McQuillan called him back towards him and obviously wanted to reward him and you could see the whole time with the hand up to the ear so he was obviously listening to somebody talking mm. in his ear and then after a minute or so issued them the red card I thought it was yeah. harsh but anyway we can the, argue the, that all there day there wasn't many uh, objections I suppose prote- protestations at the time but uh, so anyway Fergal so it, it's a, another defeat for me it's Limerick next week you're going down there to, to report in that match yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, we, you know, we have to have a victory and, and look at we um, we have are trying to promote a bit of a feature here on the uh, Talk a good game podcast where we're encouraging people just to uh, you know if they want to have their say on how they thought the game went, we're encouraging people to send us a WhatsApp voice note if they send it to uh, 087 334 If they want to send us a WhatsApp voice note about after next Sunday's game, how they thought me'd get on their opinion of the game we'll include it in next week's podcast and just good mm. to get some of the listeners views on how they felt Mead, Mead got on or anything involved in Mead sport if they want to send us a voice note but they have to include their name on it we're not going to be a, a faceless keyboard warriors or anything like here so if you want to send in uh, put your name and stand by your comment and uh, we'd be delighted to include it on the um on the podcast but we'll, yes, see, every, we'll see how that happens everybody welcome to uh, voice their opinion of course and uh, well look um, so we, we move on Fergal there was there was other action on at the weekend uh, I was at a camogie match me played Kerry in football and camogie you, know, you mentioned this last week it was a bit of you know one me team met a Kerry team coming up to play <laughs> to play games you know wouldn't it be much better if, if the two of them were together at some venue or other yeah, either one, or one place or, or the other yeah, yes or, or but uh, look it didn't work out like that now the, the uh, camogie 
players they lost 112 to 12 points disappointing uh, was it Jimmy you were Colette Rowan uh, is the story really from that yeah, game yeah yes uh, the Dunderry player she was called into the uh, into the panel just Wednesday I think she got a call on Wednesday the, the, they were trained, short they were short for of, the first time on Thursday a, a goalkeeping crisis uh, evolved in, in the camp because um, one of the goalkeepers was was not available another got injured Maggie Randall was, was yeah, away she, Maggie yeah. was not yeah and uh, Emily Mangan came back she was invited back to, to fill the, the role and she, she came back but picked up an injury so she was out of the equation so Colette Rowan who hasn't played for me for 20 years well, over 20 years she said yeah, yeah. and uh, you know she's 44 she, she said she, she had no problem with in telling me that her age no and, I know Letty well she's a she's a great great, great crack Letty you know a serious GA person and, yeah. and loves her camogie so and her football. So she didn't want yeah. to let the, her county down when they, when they sort of when they invited her back. And she didn't. Uh, she didn't let her county down uh, at all. It was uh, a close run thing. Yes, it was. It, it was remarkable match in the sense that um, Mead were in control in the first half, well in control. Uh, but now they had a breeze, which was significant. But then they, they fell away completely in the second half and uh, lost out to Kerry. You know, we the fact that it, the only the, the, Brendan Sheen is back there again as manager and his is Skihan, yeah, Skihan, yeah, and he's. Um, He's, he has to go through this a rebuilding phase. It's very difficult to rebuild a team, isn't it? I mean, it's one of the, the, the hardest tasks for any no, manager. Can't all be Sean Boylan's. You know, I know, but um, he might, he's, you know, so he's going to have to rebuild that team, bring back players. So he's bringing in a, a lot of young players now, giving them a run out. So he's going to have, they're going to have difficulties in sort of, in, in that process. But the problem for them on, on uh, Sunday or Sorry. Saturday was that they could only get two points from play. Yeah. You know, we had Aoife Minogue now. She, she it was they were somewhat fortunate to have Aoife because she could have been down with the Kerry players, but she got um, you know she got seven points, and the Grace Coleman got five, and that was the, their sum total. And Grace got two points from play. Yeah, so it's never going to be enough, is it? Two points from play. They were ten, ten four up at half time. Ten four up, yes. Uh, one seven to twelve was that, or the one seven to twelve up? Um, at one stage. At one stage, yeah. and then Kerry finished strong and. Yeah, and I finished and won out one twelve to to twelve points. Uh, so yeah. after a good win over Leash in the first round with Grace Coleman's late free, uh, yeah. just fell short. So yeah, this was disappointing. Look, as you said, it's a rebuilding process, but they're going to get there. They will get there because there's good quality young players coming through in Mead Camogie as well. Uh, and you mentioned Aoife Minogue uh, she could have been down with the Mead footballers, not the Kerry footballers, but yeah, she she uh, she could have been down there, but. Um, it's it's been tough for the Mead ladies this year. Um, been all change, change of management. Um, only one, only one of last year's or the the most successful management team in the history of Mead ladies football. There's only one of that uh, management team involved. Um, with an Eamon Murray now gone and Paul Garrigan and Shane Wall and, and them boys gone. It's it's uh, Davy Nelson has taken over the reins and tough and all as it is with new management coming in. Um, there's been a raft of players missing for various different reasons uh, mostly injuries um, and, and Mead has struggled in the National League Jimmy they lost 
118 to 9 points to Kerry um, so that's the end of their defence of the National League Division 1 title mm. and uh, it was disappointing scoreline more well, so than the um, you know, we mentioned it last week about the collapse again, you know, the previous week in the second half they were doing very well in the first half against Mayo yeah, against Mayo, yeah and uh, so look, but Davy had mentioned at the start that he's, he's going. To, the, the league is not. He's going to try and win every match. Of course he is. But the league is going to be about trying out players again. It's going through this process of rebuilding a team, trying out players. Now there is a quite. He did use a lot of players from the All Ireland in, in early matches, but uh, yeah, you know, pre early winning team, but. Uh, you know it's it's difficult for them at this stage because he's brought in a raft of players now for the for the Kerry match. You yeah. were saying how many players did it? Well, it, it just going looking at the team from a quick glance or a quick recollection of it, we think there's there was eight of the Mead team that started against Kerry on Saturday. Um, had started in the All Ireland final against Kerry only, last only year. Eight, only eight. eight. Yeah. So losing seven mm. is huge. Whereas Kerry had eleven of the team now, and they're making a big deal of how they brought on fourteen or fifteen subs. But they were all brought on the last five or six minutes, and the game was won or well won. Um, but Mead had only eight of that team, and not only was it only eight. So this, you know, when you think of the players who are missing, um, your Vicky Wall and Emma Troy are both in Australia. Vicky with a professional football contract to play with North Melbourne, and, and Emma Troy on her on her travels. Um, Orla Lally, and, and then look at the raft of injuries. So Avian Leahy and Kelsey Nelsbert, long term ACL injuries. Um, Orla Lally has a shoulder injury. Emma Duggan, Emma Duggan has has an injury. Came back against uh, Galway, Galway yeah. and showed how important she was and that transformed to, to get the, game, transformed yeah. the team. Uh, but again, has had a knock and, and hasn't been available. Um, Sean Ennis has been ill for the last couple of games. That's the team captain. So you look at Avin Leahy, uh, Emma, Emma Troy, Troy, Emma Duggan, Vicky Wall, uh, Shauna Ennis. They're just decimated, uh, Orla Lally, decimated from the team that has had so much success in recent years. So it's been a double whammy, really, for Davy Nelson mm. having to come in and be the new man to take over and follow in the in the huge footsteps of of the team that had gone before him, and then to be hit by losing so many players. But there is a worry that the the scoring return is very low. So it's only I think in in three of the five games they've only managed nine points. Mm. in the other two they've only managed one goal in their five National League games and that was Mary Lynch Mary-Kate Lynch's fluke against Donegal in a 1-7 uh, scoring return you know and, and the other game they scored eight points so it's just not clicking up front for them despite Neva Sullivan nearly been Mead's best player in every game they've played so far mm. you know and Stacey Grimes is still up there and, and contributing handsomely as well and good young players like Keira Smith coming through so there's there's plenty for Davy to work on but I suppose he'd be glad <coughs> excuse me he'd be glad to get to have got uh, high quality game time into so many young players but I'm sure he would prefer to have had yeah. his, his key players available and just the importance of Emma Duggan was underlined at the weekend once more when she won a, an award you know the GA Writers she yeah. won the Ladies Football Personality of the Year award so congratulations Gay, Emma Gay Gay yet another yeah. award for, for this great player yeah. so hopefully we, we'll see her back in action soon for Mead 
Uh, what else have not Fergal? The hurlers were off. Yeah, the hurlers were off. Yeah, and I, I, sort of a lot of Fesh Cup and um, yeah, semi finals and Fesh so cup, on. Fesh Cup semi finals were on, and the finals are on tomorrow night. Mm. Um, I know it was uh, Dunmore Ashburn and I think it's Gail Colin Kaler in the Fesh Cup final. Um, I'll just try and bring up the the uh, the fixtures here if we can find them real quick. Uh, just to make sure that we have them and don't be sending people to well, the wrong venues tomorrow night. Yeah, but uh, I know Summerhill, Summerhill lost out, and but they were missing a good few. Um, uh, congratulations to Davy Dalton who got married at the weekend, former Mead footballer. But uh, yeah, so the the knockout cup finals, as we said. Amazing how quick this year is going. The, the Fesh Cup final, Fesh Cup, which wasn't completed last year, mm, and the uh, finals of the 2023 are on Tuesday night. Uh, Fesh Cup, Dunmore Ashburn v Gail Colin Kill in Ashburn. So Ashburn are getting home venue for the Fesh Cup final at 8 o'clock. All these games are at 8 o'clock. The Cornabonia final um, will be played in Ardcat, and that's between Delique Bellystown and St. Pat's. Uh, both teams flying it really going well in the early parts of the season. The Tolchin Cup final in Dungani at 8 o'clock on Tuesday night is Kilmainham v Kilbride. Kilmainham had a great win at the weekend even without uh, Mickey Newman and are unlikely to have Mickey for the Tolchin Cup final as well. And the Tolchin Shield final in Castletown uh, will see Boards Mill take on Minotti at 8 o'clock on Tuesday night as well. There's also the Reserve Cup Division 1 final. St. Colin Kills will play Navin Amani's in Piltown. And the Division 2 final in Banlock We'll see Banlock play St. Colin Kills third team. So it's remarkable that St. Colin Kills second team are in Division 1 Reserve Cup final and their third team are in Division 2 Reserve Cup final. Mm, and uh, Wednesday night then, no, sorry, actually those Reserve Cup finals are on Tuesday week, Tuesday the 7th of March. Right, okay. But uh, on Wednesday night, the Reserve Division 3 Cup final on in Dunshockland between Dunshockland and Cortown. So finals already and then the A-League start at the weekend Jimmy. yeah well so, the, the year as you say Fergal is, is, is picking up pace momentum and once those A-League start it really does tend to yeah. pick up pace at a great rate you know yeah, well, matches flying you know ticking fast at that stage even in the National Football League we have three games left in the next four weeks and uh then you're straight into championship. I think it's only a few couple of weeks between. I know yeah. Mead have a buy into the quarterfinal of Leinster, so they'll get an extra week. But it's coming thick and fast. There's no rest for the wicked in, in the GA world. But uh, hopefully, a bit more a more successful weekend next weekend. I know that Mead ladies are off now. They don't play Waterford until I think until the 19th of March. Mm. The hurlers are off yeah. until I think it's the 12th of March when yeah. they travel to Oman to play their own. Uh, but the footballers all eyes are on them in, in Limerick next next Sunday ok so look, uh, we, we'll look forward to that uh, and um, you're going to say something for yeah not, not just uh, success in the GA fields or lack of it this weekend but it's not just all the action confined to GA field we'd uh, Robinstown are through to the quarterfinal of the Leinster Junior Shield. They were embroiled in controversy earlier in the competition when their game against uh, Old Bone had to be refixed when they were when they won a penalty shootout, but uh, an error by a referee and not allowing um, an Old Bone penalty forced that game to be refixed. But they beat Ballyuster. Um, I think they're from Selbridge. Beat Ballyuster four three in in, in the. Um, 
Lance Junior Shield at the weekend and now they play Dingle United which is not Dingle from Kerry I think it's a Dublin team Dingle United and the amazing thing about their progress Robinson's progress is that they've gone to extra time nearly in every game and this five in, games, in, in, yeah, in Lancer Junior all... you know and they've prevailed so that's so the tremendous good, tenacity good and spirit with, there, yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah. spirit in the, in the side no Saturday night points before those Sunday it's morning clearly games not, so. clearly not clearly no, not and as well as that so Park Villa were beaten by Sporting PJD in the NEFL Division 3 title playoff yeah, which was yeah. only played at the weekend yeah from last uh, season yeah and the NEFL girls ladies football team won their inter-county shield beating Kildare in district on penalties I believe 10-9 on penalties uh, so that was a, a good win for them <clears throat> there was also rather unusual bit of success for Navin Pair, Susan Oaks and Barry O'Brien Lynch who uh, won in Ski Jor Ski Jor I think is yes, what it is tell us about that what's that what is that I, I, I have no idea it's 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 uh, an equine based snow event mm. which was held in Norway uh, seemingly they were successful in it in, two, in 2020 and went back this year um, and they didn't win the same thing that they won in 2020 but I think Susan won a medal in kind of a long jump event uh, and they won the lounge event um, on the last day of the Very ski Jordan. now you know you see the pictures and I saw a few videos of it it's it's hair raising helter skelter thing it's horses uh, pulling things on skis a high pace very dangerous uh, you'd need good uh, horsemanship and good skills to be able to survive it but the event they won um, was called the lounge event so it was a horse that pull two horses that pull a lounge setting where there's a couch and a table and a lamp fixed to a kind of a sled at the back of the, the two horses and uh, Barry O'Brien Lynch and Susan Oaks had to uh, negotiate the track or the course in snow we, we have pictures of it in this week's Me Chronicle and the full story but uh, it really is an interesting event and goes to show that uh, the, the sporting success of our Mead athletes is both wide and extremely varied it certainly is and congratulations to, to uh, Barry and Susan for that achievement you know that's a tremendous uh, achievement to win in any international stage and they did that and also uh, like to a special word of uh, congratulations to star to see athlete Andrew Coscran who broke the Irish mm. the Irish 1500 yeah. metre record at the weekend the longest standing record in Irish athletics yeah what uh, an achievement it, was, it yeah. was held by Ray Flynn who 3 minutes 33 seconds point .5 and Andrew Cos Coscran finished third in his race but ran finished third in a time of 3 minutes 33 seconds point .49 so right. he, he just about broke it but um, from talking to his former coach and star to see uh, athletic club up there um, Brendan Mead, Mead said all the hard work that he put in and there's more to come from Andrew Cosgrin so it's great to have a Mead athlete former Mead athletics athlete of the year I know mm. uh, some of the national media or some of the Dublin media like to claim him and he's, he lives in Balbriggan and that but he's represented Mead athletics he's a star to see athlete which is mm. a Mead club he, so he, he, he's he very trained up there he went out went up to the star to see very very young yeah, athlete and was trained there by Brendan and others yeah so he's very definitely a Mead athlete as he said he's won the Mead 
Yeah, and Mila Let exactly of the year, and uh, so we very much claim him as ours. So uh, delighted to see him break uh, the longest standing Irish athletics record. So yeah. again, goes to show royal royal blood are uh, keeping us flying high in the sporting world. Good stuff. Well done to Andrew and uh, well done to all those who achieved anything of note over the weekend or any victories. And hopefully we'll have more to uh, talk about next week, Fergal, more royal victories. Yeah, and uh, just again, uh, just that number, if, if people do want to send us a little WhatsApp voice note, that number is 87 0873342843. Okay. Be sure to leave your name and where you're from. So Jimmy Gagan Kildaki or Jimmy Gagan Waterstone GA Club or well, I might, well, I might ring in myself or right, like just to kick, kick the whole thing. Yeah, kick, yeah, kick, kick, yeah, yeah, Kick it off. So listen, folks. We want to hear your views, and uh, hopefully you've had a good week, and hopefully you have a, a good week on the way in the next couple of days as well, and um, next seven days, and we we'll talk hopefully next week. This is was another dish. Thanks, Fergal. There's another edition of Talk a Good Game. Say hi.